you have been able to find a formula that worked really well for yourself, um, you know, and you have a framework that you can coach people to. But as people are, are kind of going through that procedure, they kind of need to find it, find their own way of achieving success. How can you tell if you're catering to your strengths or if you're actually catering to your weaknesses? How do you know what your strengths and what your weaknesses are to make sure you are doing things that are actually in your wheelhouse to really take your business to the next level and avoiding the things that maybe you're not good at and possibly hiring people for that process? This is the Claims Game Podcast. I'm your host, Vince Perry, the commercial claims advocate. And today we have a very special guest. It's my actual personal business coach, Eric Wang. Not only is my business coach, but he's also a very good friend of mine. And the man has built an extremely large company, a large multi-million dollar apparel company, just him and his brother uh, out in Dallas, Texas. And he's been able to build this company really from scratch uh, from his father in the beginning. And they've got a ton of employees and everybody is put in a proper position that caters to their strengths by giving several assessments and understanding the people who they who they are and where they are in the company they could cater to them to make sure that they are basically maximizing their capability and today we're going to go through all of that how eric does it how we do it at elite resolutions and how you're able to really scale your company and just scale your own personal business whether it's a business or you're just an individual you want to make sure that you understand yourself in a way to make sure you are indeed catering to your strengths and that is what we're going to talk about today on the claim game podcast so let's do it right now in three two one welcome to the claims game podcast with vince perry get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level and now the commercial claims advocate vince perry Do you have a dance for, for everyone? No, that was the first time I've ever done that dance, so you should feel very special about that. Yeah, I got my head bobbing too. Did you? Did you really? A little bit. It's nice, a little hip-hop feel. You know, back in the day, that's what we used to like. That's what we used to listen to, right? Feel free to edit that out. <laughs> so... The reason why you and I are talking like this is because not only are we business associates, but we are also very good friends. Am I right or wrong, Eric? For the most part. Yeah. What? No, I'm just kidding, man. You're a good. So, friend. so Eric Wang, thank you for coming on. I would like to introduce you as my personal business coach. Now, you've been on the show before, uh, and you are, I think, either the first or the second. I had somebody on for a second time, but they were on with somebody else. I will say you are the first to come back on to be invited back on the show as a solo guest. So, I think I this like is it. this. I think it's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anyway, I had a round of applause there, but I got all that messed up. So, hey, hey, congratulations. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, I need some type of audio that's, you know, sharing <sighs> for, for, for that comment. Honored, man. Pleasure to be back. Did you hear that? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Listen up. Advocates, whether you're a public adjuster, contractor, or an attorney, if you have a client that has suffered any kind of catastrophic loss, whether that be by fire or storm or just any catastrophic loss that requires your client to have to move out and incur ALE and loss of use coverage, you need to think about looking at Black Diamond Services. This is an incredible idea for a service that I think is extremely valuable and I've actually personally used uh, for my clients myself. Basically, what they do is they provide all of the necessary money that that needed as needed
needed to be done for the homeowner uh, to go and move to another place, whether that be a hotel or another home or whatever it is. They basically bill through their insurance policies, loss of use coverage, and basically they provide financial assistance so that the insured never has to incur any out-of-pocket expenses. It's an amazing service. I love the people at Black Diamond Services, especially Millie Varela. If you just contact her and contact Black Diamond Services, I'm telling you, they're going to take care of your climate clients like you wouldn't believe. I personally have a client who suffered a fire damage and had to use their ALE coverage. And all we did was refer them to Black Diamond. Our clients did not have to come out of pocket a single penny. Black Diamond provided all of the financial um, uh, money and they provided the actual location for the homeowner to stay. Amazing service. Contact Black Diamond Services today so you could find out more information for yourself. All right. So honestly, let's get right to it. So Eric, thank you for coming on. Um, the reason why I wanted you back on is because I think it's been right. I think it's been how many, like it's been a year since you were on, right? Is that how long I've been doing this thing? Holy At moly. least it's been over a year, I think. And I mean, we had already scheduled it before, but we meet once a week and you have been a, a large part of the reason why elite resolutions and commercial claims advocate is not just where it's at today, because I don't like to use that term because it feels like an ending, uh, but moving in the direction that it's moving in. It was because of you that you convinced me to actually scale when I was terrified to scale. Do you remember that? I do. Um, but I definitely don't think it's on me. I think, you know, you, you did the heavy lifting, you know, I just gave you some pointers and some advice of what I would do in, in, in your same situation, but, um, you know, definitely don't take anything away from what you've been able to accomplish, man. It's, it's been a pleasure to see. And it's the reason why I do what I do. Uh, well, I appreciate that. So for those of you who don't know Eric, Eric, alongside of his brother, are the owners of Mason. And Mason is an apparel company located in Dallas, Texas, and not just any apparel company um, with how many employees? Oh, 64 currently. 64 employees. To give you a quick backstory, again, the backstory is mostly in our first episode that we had about a year ago. You could go down as one of the like the top five, uh, the second or third or fourth uh, podcast that we did, but quick backstory. Uh, oh, if you could provide the quick backstory for us, just real quick. Um, company started by my parents 30, over 35 years ago. Um, my brother and I have, have been involved over the last uh, 20 years for him, about 15 for, for myself. Uh, started out in the B2B, so business to business, so uh, wholesale, uh, have clients such as Nordstrom's, Dillard's, Von Maurer, Neiman's. Uh, over the last 10-ish years, uh, we've been pretty heavy in e-com, so direct-to-consumer. So we both have, we have both channels, both direct-to-consumer and a wholesale side of our business. Um, we would say we are probably the only house in North America that can provide design and development all the way through distribution, meaning like we do all of our own in-house marketing, our own e-com team, uh, have the relationships with uh, the, the top, vent, uh, top department stores around the country. Um, you know, so we, we've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to, to continuously grow, um, you know, even through 2020, uh, we were given some opportunities and, you know, we've been, uh, taking advantage of it. So it, we're, we're in a very good place. 
Yeah. And the reason why I have you on the show is because not only you have helped me is I know that you have the potential to actually help a lot of other people. I know that you have the potential because you helped me, you have the potential to help a lot of other business owners. Uh, my audience is mainly public adjusters. Uh, we've got attorneys, we've got contractors, but I think you could probably agree entrepreneurship uh, as different as every business may be. I think there's a lot of common ground when it comes to each of these businesses. Uh, what do you think is, uh, I mean, I'm putting you on the spot here. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but what do you think is the most important thing? What's the most important element for an entrepreneur to sort of scale and really build their business the way it's supposed to? Uh, it comes down to people, right? I'm going to back up a little bit and say, you know, I think I can help more than just business owners. I can help individuals. I wish I would have met someone, met someone like myself uh, before I even went to college. Uh, being able to identify what natural unique abilities I currently ha already have, what some of my weaknesses are, um, a lot of the philosophy and uh, the learnings that you know, I've been able to uh, adopt in, in my coaching is to be your natural self, right? Our goal out there is to, to not try to be someone different. We are who we are and, you know, we need to identify our weaknesses. And our goal isn't to turn those, those weaknesses into strengths because, um, you know, I, I don't think that's realistic, right? Uh, is to push forward towards your strengths, continuously doing that and then manage your weaknesses, and how do we manage them? It's through a team. It's through technology. It's through other resources that we can do to kind of overcompensate for some of our weaknesses. Unique ability. That's uh, I can't remember. I'm looking at it right Dan now. Sullivan. Ed Sullivan. Ed uh, Sullivan. No, no, not no. Dan, not Ed, Dan, Dan Sullivan. Yeah. Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach. You convinced me to join that, and it's actually been an, also been very amazing to me as well. Like you can't have enough coaching. Uh, but in regards to focusing on your unique ability, making sure that you become self-aware of your strengths, of your weaknesses is really what took me to the next level. Realizing that as an entrepreneur, number one, you cannot do everything yourself. It is literally impossible. It's like, I actually tell this to my team, and this is good for other public adjusting firm owners, probably to understand it, to share with their team is that no one person could do it themselves. So if I'm able to get strong people around me, whether that be public adjusters or admin people or whoever it is, if I could get strong people around me and make them understand that, look, you have your unique ability, which we have put you in. I have my unique ability. I may be the owner, right? And everybody always says they want to be the owner. But first of all, sometimes it's not all as cracked up to be, right? I'm sure you would understand. That's number one. Number two, even if I'm the owner, if I can find somebody who maybe does have owner potential, but we can do this like, look, we can do this together and then find a way where everybody's happy, especially money-wise, I get it. That's usually going to be like a thing that comes around. But look, if I put you in this spot here and, and you're doing what you love to do and helping grow this thing together, I'm here in this spot and I'm doing what I love to do. This person's over here and everybody is in their you know strength and unique ability. Why not come together? Because this is an issue a lot of public adjusting owners, I think, have a lot of firms is is not just relinquishing some control, which I think is, is something that's difficult, but also being able to find the right people together to help, help for, for, to convince them to help you grow as like a team. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, it's the importance of a team, right? A lot of the, the great companies out there, there's co-founders, right? It's not just one person. Everyone has, again, a unique ability, taking that word from Dan Sullivan, but everyone has their superpower. Everyone has their ability. You know, uh, Steve Jobs needed Steve Wozniak, right? Uh, Walt Disney needed his brother, right? It's it's that kind of that dynamic when you have like a visionary and an integrator, that dynamic that is 
really allows people to be themselves and to focus on what they are great at. Um, so for example, um, I don't know, I'm a big basketball fan, right? Uh, so, you know, I, I grew up with the Michael Jordan era. So even with Michael Jordan, as good as he was, right? Do I think, you know, if he tried a little bit harder, um, he could have grabbed more rebounds? Absolutely. Well, that's not what they needed him to do. You know, they brought on someone right. like Dennis Rodman to come in and, and to do that for him. They needed him to be Michael Jordan, right? To have that killer instincts to uh, score whenever they, they needed that score, uh, to grab that steal, right? Uh, only because of the dynamics that they put around them. And they had, you know, uh, Steve Jackson to, to kind of orchestrate it all. And you're not uh, even going to mention Scotty? Damn. Well, Pippen, um, you know, again, but he, he's one piece of the puzzle, right? right. What, what I'm saying, I'm not trying to take away from any of the, the, the players that were there, but, um, you know, everyone had to play a role. And when everything comes together, that's when you get a championship team. And that's when you get, um, what's the word? Uh, Championships? No, no, no. Like a, a team that, oh my God. A dynasty. Dynasty. There you go. Um, you know, that's how you get dynasties. I actually had a very similar example for someone else. One of the things that really stands out to me that was honestly, and it was before, no, I had the tennis academy at the time. But one thing that really struck a chord with me was when Dwayne Wade was able to take a little step to the side to bring on arguably two of the top four best players in the NBA to share the basketball court with him in his team where he's like mayor of Miami. He's like already won a championship. Like he runs to, and he's literally bringing arguably the best player ever to ever play basketball. And Chris Bosch, who was top two, top three player at the time. And when he did that, I was like, that really struck a chord with me. Now I'm Miami. I'm a Miami heat fan. So I might be a little bit biased, but still looking at it from an outer, outer perspective, like, that's tough to do. Like you have to, I think as an entrepreneur, and I was explaining this to my wife, there's so much more than just hustle and grind. Like there's a lot of times where as an entrepreneur, you have got to try to keep that ego in check. You have to put it to the side and you have to allow other people to sometimes take the reins with certain things, let other people shine and let other people, because they have different unique abilities that they're, yeah. that they are gifted at, you know? Yeah. No, that's a great point. And I think Dwayne Wade did it correctly, right? Uh, he was someone that was able to not only bring in these players, but to work well with them and to understand that, hey, we have other great players coming into this team. My role has to change. And they did it successfully. But how often do we also see the other side where yep. you bring people together, you know, uh, not to pick on the Brooklyn Nets this year, but, you know, once they got that team together, I was like, oh, it's over, you know, like, if they stay healthy, they're going to win a championship. Uh, but there's so many other things that go into it, right? You, you, you can't just, um, you know, bring on a great team and just expect everything else to, to fall into place. There's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, I think for the Miami Heat specifically, ownership mattered a lot. How they were coached, to have a coach to manage those egos and to be able to kind of facilitate those relationships is extremely important. So... Every time somebody asks me, you know, like, what's your key to success? What is it that, how are you able to do this? How are you able to create all these videos and still sign claims and still do all these things? And my answer is always people. I said, I am just a small piece of the puzzle and I've got everybody else around me that is able to do it for, that is able to help me. Hold on a second. Just got something here. Okay. Um, and sorry about that. Oh man. 
Okay. Uh, and I've got other people around me that are able to help me. So what are some of the things, and I already know the answer to this, but I want you to elaborate. What are some of the tools? What are some of the things that you're able to, to sort of do, sort of use to make sure that you are actually, now you've got 69 employees or, you know, you got a lot of employees. So it's not like everybody's bunched up and then there's like one lead, like you've got different teams, you've got different departments. How are you able to make sure that you are bringing in the right people, avoid high turnover and make sure people are sort of teamed up in the right places and going into their unique ability? We're using that word so much, Dan Sullivan's going to like charge us, but how are you getting people to put, uh, how are you putting people in the right place? Uh, well, one, I think we should charge Dan Sullivan for promoting him throughout this podcast. But, I agree with you. No, I'm just kidding. Like a, like a true <laughs> businessman. I like that. <laughs> um, but for me, it's building the right team. And how do we do that? Right. Uh, I utilize other tools. And again, I, I didn't create these tools. Uh, there's a ton of assessments out there uh, for my company. Specifically, we use something called culture index. We also use uh, something called Gallup strength finder. Uh, but there's a ton of tools, Myers-Briggs, disk test, uh, personality-wise, or something called Enneagram, you know, Colby. Again, the list goes on and on. Um, I'm not promoting one or the other. I'm just saying utilize them. There's scientific data that backs them up. Uh, and there is no negative to it. It's not a test. It's an assessment. Uh, why wouldn't you want to know more about yourself on what makes you tick? What makes you the way that you are and why, why you do it that way? Right. So that's what these assessments are, are really able to to help us identify. Um, and through that, you know, and through these assessments, we also realize where the holes are in our organization. Uh, so, for example, with Gallup Strength Finder, there's four different domains. There's strategy, execution, uh, influence and and um, relationship building. Right. Depending on what position we're looking for, we're looking for an X amount of execution traits uh, for a specific role or an X amount of strategy uh, for, for another role, right? So really being able to pinpoint the type of personality that fits well into that seat, we call them seats. Um, and, you know, once we identify that, it, it almost helps eliminate some of the candidates because sometimes we'll put a posting out and we'll get hundreds, right? And how do we filter through that? How do we know which, which ones are, are, are the best fit? Um, you know, and we utilize these assessments to help narrow down um, our applicant pool to, to figure out, hey, what are the, the type of personalities that would be best fit for that? Obviously, there's a lot of things that these assessments don't judge. You know, it doesn't judge experience. It doesn't judge IQ, EQ, moral compass. So there's definitely a level of interviewing and, and talking to them and, and due diligence and stuff like that. But uh, these assessments have, have really helped us uh, not only help bring the right type of people in our organization, but also talk about these traits and talk about your coworkers' traits to, to educate them on how to work better with each other. So in the last episode, the last time we met here again, we're going to, hopefully we could click here or, you know, click, we have the description below. We do get in depth into the culture index and we get in depth into the strength finder. So I don't think we need to do that there, but you did mention interview. And one thing I've picked your brain a lot is your interview process is the questions to ask. And I think, again, this is a, this is an issue. A lot of people run into is the proper way to interview proper questions to ask. What's some advice and tips that you can give when bringing somebody, a potential candidate, it on during the interview process? Yeah. So I, I would say, you know, the one mistake a lot of people make, and I think, um, I think it's human nature and I think it's natural. And I probably used to make this mistake all the time, but I based my judgment on the applicant on how much I like the person. Uh, but one thing that I've learned about 
the these personality assessments is that some people are just a little bit more reserved and they're not as open to share about themselves and talk about themselves in a way that maybe someone else will. So the person that's a little bit more outgoing and that's really good at selling themselves usually ends up getting the job. Uh, but for us in, in our interview process, uh, there's certain positions where being influential isn't very important, right? Uh, for example, like our operations team, we almost didn't go with who is now an A player within our organization, but she wasn't a very engaging interviewee. Um, you know, we, we had talked, you know, she had one word answers, didn't really engage in the conversation. Um, you know, and this was kind of right when we started with the personality assessments and I was just learning more about it and, and learning how, how to gauge them. Uh, what I should have known is that this person wasn't going to be very talkative. I mean, it, it kind of shows w within her assessments, um, but she ended up being a rock star for, for our company. You know, um, she's now, you know, really important in our organization, but you know, if, if I would have followed my traditional way of thinking, you know, um, she probably would not have made it to the next round. And good thing that I didn't follow, I guess, my initial gut feeling on it. And I believed in the process. I believed in these assessments and understanding, hey, I can't be judging her based on the interview alone. Uh, because whenever she did the, um, you know, we have like an Excel because we need to be proficient in Excel for this position. She was extremely proficient in Excel to a point that, you know, a, a lot of the, 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 the formulas that she created were actually still using the, those same formulas, right? Um, you know, so we can't always judge a book by its cover, you know, as cliche as that sounds, um, you know, by understanding someone's personality before you interview them, you could almost cater your interview questions based on the person that you're you're meeting. For example, if you know that you're going to be interviewing someone that is very outgoing, uh, very social, uh, very influential, um, you maybe need to be asking more specific questions, right? Uh, if someone says, hey, I implemented an ERP system, right? Ask them like, what part of the process were you? Were you truly the person that was in charge of an ERP integration or did you do one piece into the overall project and said that you implemented an ERP. An ERP implementation is a huge project, right? So um, if someone was truly in charge of it, they're gonna be able to, to share a lot about what they did. Not saying that someone really social didn't implement it, but they should be able to articulate it very well if they truly were the person that implemented an ERP for, for their previous company. Um, and then vice versa, if you're, if you're interviewing someone that you through these assessments, you can kind of see that probably isn't as outgoing, right? Um, you might need to ask more questions to get them to speak openly and honestly about what they've done because they might not sell it and in, 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 they might not do it justice on the way that they're talking about it. They might be very, very involved in the process. They might just say, oh, yeah, I helped out doing this one thing for it. But if you dig down deeper, you could realize, oh, man, you actually were, you know, very deep into the weeds of, of, of implementing this, right? So um, you can cater your interview process based on the type of applicant that you're getting in. You're basically in charge of the hiring pretty much for the majority of the entire organization? Yes. I, I speak to everyone that, that joins this organization. I'm, I guess, the first round. 
and you look at every chart, you look at every assessment and you sort of make your determinations like first round, second round, all that stuff. Uh, we don't do all the assessments up front. Uh, we do start out with a culture index. Um, you know, it's a strict, strictly a personality assessment. Um, you know, so for example, um, for accounting, you know, uh, at least for our organization, not saying for every organization, but for our organization, there's a certain type of personality that works well with, with our team. So not saying that we only hire people with that trait, but there are certain traits that we look for um, that we, you know, um, would hold them to, to a higher regard based, based on what their personality is. Let me bring it back. Enough about you. Let's talk about public adjusting. Now that you've been working with me for what year, a year, about a year, More right? A year. year and a half or so. Those, you, those, dude, it's been over two years now. Oh, really? It was pre-2020. Time flies when you're having fun, Eric. Yeah. What do you recommend to, what, what is the traits that you see for successful public adjusters? Um, I, I, I'm not it's a mix. It, it's yeah, tough. I'm not going to give it one personality or, or another, right? It's, if you have a specific personality, there's a way that you can be successful as a public adjuster, right? Some people are going to be doing it through influence, some people are going to be able to do it through clear execution and clear communication, right? And relationship so, building. So yeah, for you, you know, it, it's your relationship building. It's your ability to communicate to your clients and to get them to trust you. You know, um, you know, I don't think you try to oversell anybody, right? You you really speak facts, and you want to make sure that they have a good experience. So it's through a genuine care of the customer that makes people trust you. And that's what, again, makes you great at what you do. But I, I've met other public adjusters that aren't your type of personality that also does very good for themselves, right? So I can't say that there's only one personality that would be good for public adjusting. What I will say is how you approach it based on your personality should be different. So for example, if you have one personality, but they've been following you and they think like the way that you did it is the only way of achieving success as a public adjuster, I would say that's not true. Right. There's other ways of doing it. You have been able to find a formula that worked really well for yourself, um, you know, and you have a framework that you can coach people to. But as people are, are kind of going through that procedure, they kind of need to find it, find their own way of achieving success. I tell people that all the time. I tell them all the time. I said, look, this is like how I did it. I said, and this is a good way to start, a good place to start, but it may not be for you. And not only in sales and finding the claims, but also actually in communication with the insurance company. Like I remember when I worked with Rich and Rich would it be intimidating. He would go to the inspections and he would almost scare the living shit out of the insurance adjuster and the desk adjuster so that he would end up getting what he wants. And I remember when I first started working for him, I tried that style, but I'm, but I'm too short and I smile too much. It didn't work out very well for me. So I was like, you know what? I have my term kill them with kindness. I'm like, let me try that route. And you know, you get them to sort of turn towards your side and then that's how I was able to get what I wanted. So I think that's interesting. What you say is everybody's got sort of their own style. Yeah. And that's part of the self-reflection process. I always tell people that's the first place to start right? You have to know yourself before you know your coworkers and, and your other team members. Um, but through the journey of these assessments and, you know, speaking with me, I, one of the things that I try to do for people is to 
identify what their unique ability is, right? And to really be able to focus on it. And the goal is for you to be operating in that mindset as much as you possibly can. There's always going to be times where you're having to veer from that, you know, that that's life. You don't always get to do what you want to do, but if you can put yourself in a position where you get to be your best self all the time, I mean, to me, that's when where happiness is, you know, that that's when success comes. Yeah. That's what Dan Sullivan always says. That's what you've always told me. I mean, I remember you telling me, so if you could remember, I remember where I was sitting in my house when I was just like about to have a freaking panic attack. And you're just like, you need to scale, you need to scale. And I'm just like, I don't want to scale. I don't want to scale. I'm scared. And you were basically explaining to me that, you know, when you find the right people that allows you to focus on the things that let's start with this, that you're good at, because if you're good at it, chances are you're going to enjoy it because we all enjoy things that we are good at. And if you could find people who are good at the things that you are not good at and by them being good at it, they too will also enjoy it. Mm -hmm. As you continue to scale and you find those right people, you actually, which I was explaining to someone today, end up almost, I don't want to use the word doing less because it's still a lot as we continue to scale, I remove things from my plate, but there's more things that I like to do that I have to do, which is technically still more work, but it does become easier. Yeah. So there's a term that's saying you, you're able to work more on the business than in the business, right? Uh, when you get to a certain level and when you have a certain amount of help around you, right? Because a lot of times, especially when entrepreneurs are just starting out, you have to work in the business all the time. Right. And if, and I think to a certain extent, like people can handle that and handle it. And, you know, they say, if you want to do it right, do it yourself type of mentality. You know, when you're very small, it it almost like it has to be that way. But if you want to scale and if you want to grow and you want to be able to, to, to get bigger, you know, you have to get other people involved and you have to work more on the business than in the business. Um, You know, and what that means is, you know, stepping away from the day-to-day tasks, right? You need to be strategizing. You need to be going out there and having the right relationships, uh, finding mentors, you know, finding other ways on how you can, um, you know, grow your, your current business. But if you're, you know, having to, um, you know, problem solve on, on issues, you know, you're not going to be able to work on the business, you know, uh, putting out fires. That, that was the, the word I was trying to think of. Like if you're constantly putting out fires, right? You, you, you can't grow your business that way. Is there a particular hire that you would suggest? And also growing, you know, growing with me here, as you see me grow again, we're talking mm-hmm. to public adjusters mainly. Is there a particular hire that you would suggest that a new public adjusting firm, maybe with just a couple of adjusters, maybe, you know, maybe an admin or so like, is there a particular hires that you think are essential to at least getting to that first level, first level of, of scaling or second level? Um, it's tough cause it really varies depending on where you are. Uh, so we follow something called EOS, uh, in, in our organization. So typically that dynamic is you have a visionary. Usually this is the CEO, the founder of the company. You also have an integrator and integrator is someone that executes a lot on what the visionary thinks, but a visionary is a lot of times, I mean, their, their mind is all over the place. They're constantly no. thinking of new ideas. No. You know, uh, when you talk about a company that's growing in a bunch of different directions, 
a lot of times it's the visionary not letting go of the execution part of their responsibility, right? So the integrator is someone that takes all of his ideas and makes sure that all the directors under them are following suit and making sure that we're all rowing in the same direction. So you have your visionary, your integrator, and for every business, there's a finance aspect of it. There's a sales and marketing aspect of it, and there's an operations aspect of it. Um, so at a base level, those I would say are the most key uh, positions that you would need to, to make sure you have. You see, you grouped sales and marketing together. Yeah. Well, especially when you're starting off, right? Sometimes you, you probably can't have a director of marketing and a director of sales, right? So it could be the same person. And sometimes that visionary, especially for a smaller company, you might sit in one of those seats or, right. the, or, or the integrator might sit in one of those seats. So the integrator might also be your director of finance or director of sales. Um, you know, for, it, it varies. For the audience, uh, uh, look inside at Elite Resolutions. We, and the reason why I, made, I told Eric that is because I actually, sep- we have a sales director and we have a, I call it virtual marketing director. So we separated the two seats and they're all both in the leadership meeting together and it works great that way. EOS, what I love about EOS is it really forces, if you do it right, it forces the visionary to stay focused. Yeah. And it keeps people organized. Yeah. Right. It's again, I always tell people there's a ton of tools out there. And again, I, I, I love EOS, but again, there's other philosophies that you could go out there and find. So I'm not promoting any one or the other. EOS just happens to be the one that, that we tend to, to follow, but it's a tool. And a tool is only going to be as good as the way that you utilize it, right? So, um, you know, I'm sure some people maybe had a very bad experience with it because they didn't utilize it properly, you know. But for us, you know, we we went pretty deep into it. You know, it was we did our research, we did our due diligence, we realized, you know, this is uh, the the system that we want to work with, and. You know, we've only been using it for over a year, a little over, a little under a year, actually. June would, would be one year. Um, and we've already seen dramatic changes throughout our organization. Um, you know, it's brought a lot of clarity. I think that's the big thing. It's brought a lot of clarity to a lot of different people. And it's painted the path for where we want to go in the next. So we have a one-year goal. We have a three-year goal, five-year goal, 10-year goal. We even have a 20-year goal. No way. So uh, the BHAG. Um, so it just challenges us to think a little differently, uh, to think ahead, right? We, we, we can't be so reactive that we're only going to work on, on problems that are happening. You know, this is kind of, uh, what I was talking about, you know, working on the business. So this is getting all the directors to come together. There's something, what we do, um, a meeting that we get together is called the L10 and we talk about our business. We talk about the issues, you know, we, we talk about, where the promise is, you know, where, where we can uh, really clean things up. If, if there's any issues that are happening within our department, that's when we talk about it. And, you know, every week uh, our leadership gets together for 90 minutes and, and we talk about the business. Eric, the laundry list of issues that we had at our meeting yesterday was crazy, but they weren't all that bad. Like we got through them all. Um, well, that's, yeah. That's great. So we're, I was happy today. Today was our L10 and we got through, we had, I think, I think like 30 something issues, oh, Yeah. Uh, but we got through 19 of them, which is, pretty good for us. So, um, I think it was actually our highest rating, uh, for our L10. I think we got like an 8.6 or something like that. That's funny because that yesterday's meeting, uh, it wasn't all smooth sailing. 
like as far as like our issues and we would get into it and we were like, no, but we should do this. No, but do this. Da, da, da. Ultimately we solved all the issues that we had. And, and it was like a weird vibe in the meeting, but same thing. Nine, nine and a half, eight. Everybody was like happy because you just get them out there. Right. So, so Vince, I just want to tell you this, right. Your organization is maturing. Look, you want, you want to have conflict. A hundred percent. We call it healthy conflict. For sure. Right? If you have passionate people that care about what they do, I'd rather people speak up and to share their feelings um, and to be able to accept it, listen to it. And then collectively as a group, you come up, you know, with, with, with the best solution to the problem. You know, to me, that's a healthy relationship. You know, a healthy relationship, an unhealthy relationship is if everyone is, uh, are, are just yes men. You know, to me, that's a bigger problem. Like I, I, I don't see conflict, healthy conflict as a problem, you know? So the fact that you're telling me this, um, again, I think that's a pretty big step. The fact that you guys can speak openly and honestly and still be able to come together at the end and, you know, finalize a solution collectively. That's big, man. That's look, man, EOS is the way to go. And anybody's listening to me, you need to purchase a copy of Traction right now and you need to read it. And you are correct in saying, well, you said that there's plenty of different tools and whatever works for you. No, I'm calling bullshit. EOS works. But yes, you do have to implement it correctly. You do have to do it right. Because when I go to a strategic coaching workshop and I'm in a room with over 40 entrepreneurs in the seven and probably eight figure mark and half the room, Eric uses EOS, you know that, okay. I was like, wow, okay. I'm doing something right. Cause EOS is the way to go. Cause it really does. It really keeps you focused. It keeps it going. Uh, I didn't hire a, what do they call it? It's not an integrator implementer. I didn't hire an implementer. I'm not saying I wouldn't later on, but man, I have, I'm the one that, that you had known about it already. Right. When I was reading the book mm-hmm. and yeah. you were just like, damn, you're actually really implementing. And I was like, yeah, I'm giving it a shot. All right. So Tell me about, I want to know about sort of how did you get, and again, I don't think we talked about this last time. How did you get into wanting to now help others, help fools like me get my shit together and run this thing properly? Because dude, honestly, Eric, I know you were thanking me the other day for actually listening to you, but I will say this in the podcast. I want to thank you because if it wasn't for you, if you remember that first conversation we had at the airport, what did you say? I had the bucket of water on my head and it was just like pouring all over the place and I didn't know what to do. And you were able to sort of ground me, give me a game plan, a strategy. And we went like basically one week at a time, problem solving to take it to another place. So first, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about you. Let's how, how did you get into this and, and sort of what is it that you want to do with all this, with the coaching aspect of it? Um, I didn't really have a, a, an overall plan for this. Um, so one, I've always loved coaching. Um, I do love people. I love seeing progress. I love seeing companies grow, you know, being from a family of entrepreneurs, like being able to see growth in, in different industries and, and different companies, especially people that I respect and care about. Uh, honestly, it brings me a lot of joy. Um, I'm very fortunate to have come across you know, these assessments that has allowed our company to scale uh, because of our company scaling. I've been able to surround myself with uh, a lot of great people that, you know, makes my life a lot easier. And um, so my day to day of executing on certain things, I, I don't have many of them, um, you know, but again, I, I love coaching and I, and I do 
coach throughout our organization. You know, I, I talk about Strength Finder and I talk about different dynamics of, you know, how, how to work better with people. Uh, but, you know, a few of my friends were entrepreneurs and that's kind of how it started. You were, you were one of them. You know, um, I actually three friends, specifically three friends that, that were all business owners. Um, and I would just talk to them like as friends and they would kind of tell me what their issues were. And I started sharing some of my experiences. I'm like, Oh, I used to deal with that same exact issue. Right. This is some of the things that uh, I've implemented in in our company and that has helped out dramatically. And that's kind of where, where it all started. And the more that I did it, the more I realized how much I enjoyed it. Um, You know, to a point where I was spending actually a lot of time coaching (laughs) and thinking about this. Uh, But the funny thing is, is when you enjoy something and, and it becomes easy, um, you don't realize how much time you're spending in it. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, we had long conversations like late at night, you know, and some of my other friends, like, it's like nine, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And we're just talking. And my wife's asking me, like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, what are you talking about? Um, you know, just so I realized, so I was taking up more of my time and I, um, actually you were the one that kind of pushed me be like, Hey, why don't you do this for more people? Right. Um, and that's kind of where the seed started. And, at the time, I wasn't ready. This was prior to me uh, implementing EOS through our organization, you know, so certain things still needed to be ironed out. But EOS has been a tool that we've added to our organization that's really brought, again, clarity and um, ownership over every responsibility that our company needs to do. And because of that, you know, it's allowed me to be uh, able to control my schedule a little bit more, you know, so I've opened up the idea to, to do this for more people because, like I said, I wish... I would have been exposed to someone that understands personality assessments, uh, you know, like back then, like prior to me going to college, right? That would have saved a ton of time. And I was actually talking to my brother about it too. And my brother's a very intelligent, very successful in his own right. But he was like, man, if I would have known about all this stuff 10 years earlier, he was like, that would have just sped up this whole process, Right. So um, that that is why I, I, I do what I do and, and you know, want to go out there and, and coach others. I have three kids and, you know, once they become of age to, to start taking these assessments, you know, I'm, I'm going to be coaching them. Um, a lot of the philosophies that I have uh, through all this, you know, I actually, um, you know, teach it to my kids and I coach my kids flag football team and those philosophies, you know, I I utilize it. In, in my in my kids football team um so you know i i just i love coaching in general right and before i used to see coaching as you know coaching a basketball team or a football team but i i see it as i just i coach people i coach people to to better self-reflect understand uh what their strengths are and that it's absolutely okay to be themselves right and you should be yourself because your natural self is your best self so being able to share the knowledge that I have to bring clarity to, to say like, Hey, this is what you're naturally good at. Right. right. And to get them to accept that and to be okay with it. First thing I will say, uh, I want to add that there's, I used to ask you, I'm like, where do you find the time running this super large business to talk to me? And the answer would basically be like, well, I've implemented the right people to put me in a place to give me time to do the stuff that I like to do. And I'm like, that's where I want to get to. But I will say the first thing that Eric does, the first thing is he, he gives you the assessments and exactly what you just said is you basically, okay, here are your strengths. 
Here you here where you could possibly be weak. Here's where you're going to need help in. To give a quick example is I am very low in detail. I have a very, very low attention to detail. So it is obvious that I need to find somebody alongside of me who is high attention to detail. That's just one example. Mm-hmm. What else? What else? Uh, what else would you say? What else would you say is just like, uh, is some of the strategies that you use when you bring somebody on, um, besides giving them assessments and, and like, what is it, some of the things that now that you've actually got some practice? Because when we did the last episode, I mean, I was only one of a couple of clients. Uh, what are some of the things that you've learned in, in, in bringing somebody on as a client? Like, what are some of the first things that you do besides the assessments? Um, I would say the first thing is just look at their organization and seeing where the missing holes are. Um, a lot of people don't even know, you know, especially smaller companies, you know, they, I don't know, someone quits and they're like, oh man, I need to hire this person because this person quit, right? Sometimes they don't even realize that that might not be their biggest need for their organization to grow. So through EOS, there's something called accountability chart. So what you do is you fill out an org chart, but you don't put anyone's name in it. It's only responsibility, right? So they go through, again, you have your visionary, you have your integrator, finance, sales and marketing operations, fill out all the different job, job descriptions that each seat needs to be accountable for. And then obviously under finance, you're probably going to have, you know, a staff accountant to do AP. You know, if you're smaller, maybe this person's doing AP, AR and all the bookkeeping, you know, sales and marketing, all the, all the different lists. Um, that's what I'll say we need to start with. And then from there, we start putting people that are in your organization in these seats, right? And then through this process, you, you need to ask the, ask the question like, hey, is this the best person to sit in the seat to allow us to get to what our goals are? Do they get it, want it, and have the capacity to do it? And they should yeah. be an astounding yes. Yeah, it's a G, It's called GWC, get it, want it, capacity, right? Um, does this person get it? Do they want it? And do they have the capacity to do it? And you need three yeses before they can... Three astounding yeses, I might add. It should be just like a hell yeah, because then you know you got it. Am I right or wrong? Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you, it is game changer. When you find the right person, shout out to Milan and Tammy and Zenga and Nick and a lot of my adjusters, maybe not all of them. I love you guys. When you find the right people in the right seats, it's like, it's just... I mean, it's, it's a game changer. I love when I get asked the question, how are you able to do all these things and, and do all these events and, and shoot these podcasts and these videos and work claims? I'm just like, because I don't do it myself. But on top of that, I think you're missing a big piece. And it's not only that you, are you able to do it, you're having fun. I'm having fun. Like, I'm having I don't fun. Know, for me, I, I bring it back to basketball, but seeing the Warriors play, right? The way their ball movement is, it's very enjoyable to me. Right. But everyone on their team has a very specific role and they are very, very good at what they do. Yeah. Right. So again, that's another dynasty. Right. And again, it's beyond the players. I think it's the coaching, it's the ownership, you know, it's the trainers. Right. But if you look at that team dynamic, they look like they click, they all get along. They, they all know their role and they're all playing their part. So besides the obvious multi, multi multi-million dollar business that you're running with your brother, what is it with the coaching that you would like to do? Where, where are you going forward? What is it, what is it that you're trying to accomplish here? Um, honestly, I want to meet business leaders, um, that want to grow and scale their business and want someone to coach them to achieve that. 
Um, I mean, that would be my ideal client. Um, I'm definitely open to doing it. For example, uh, I'll also love to do it for, for younger individuals, you know, just coming out of school and just trying to figure out, um, you know, what, what they are passionate about and, and to really push them in the right way. Um, I, I see that as part of what I really enjoy is talking to, to that group. Um, but on, uh, on top of that is, is those entrepreneurs that are really trying to grow their business. Um, I would say those are the, the ideal candidates or, you know, uh, people that I want to work with. Okay. Well, I will recommend that not only anybody listen to this podcast, um, reach out to Eric and we have his information in the description below. Um, but I will suggest and no offense to you, Eric, but just hire a coach, right? I think just hiring a coach, whether it's Eric or anyone else, it's so important. Cannot begin to describe, even if it's somebody, when we first started working together, remember, I was like, dude, you're, I just need a sounding board. <laughs> I need somebody that I can talk to that understands what I'm talking about. Because I think the reason for all of these coaching programs, the reason why people spend so much money on these coaching programs, a lot of the times is because you can't talk to your kids about this. You can't talk to your spouse, spouse about this. And you can't even talk to your friends about this because they're not in the position that you're in. The entrepreneurial small business position. It's so unique and there's so many different things. And if you could find somebody who, like you said, has already experienced it, you've already experienced all these things. So you have at least a, at least you have a decent answer that you can give into like, okay, here's what happened with me. Here's your situation. Here's how it's similar. Here's my idea of what I think you should do. Ultimately you do what you want, but even if it's just as a sounding board, like it's so important because I feel like sometimes as an entrepreneur, this is before you hire the right people, you're kind of in an Island all by yourself. You sometimes feel like you're on a deserted island, even if you have like 50 employees. Like, there's times where you could just feel like you're on a deserted island. Am I right? No, absolutely. Um, it talks about it in um, uh, Traction. I think five dysfunctions. Uh, the five dysfunctions of a team. Yeah. Actually, that's another one where that's another great read if you're talking about a team that was supposed to get together and just trump the competition. But because of egos and because of people not being a team player, they came together and they got all the, the top executives, you know, in, in, in the, in the tech world, they came together and they didn't really do so well at the beginning, um, you know, until their visionary came in and was really able to get everyone rowing in the same direction. Actually, no, not their vision, their, their integrator. So how can people contact you? Um, you can share a link below, right? Isn't that where the magic happens? Just, you just click go like the description below. <laughs> well, but it's contact at keystrengths.com. Key is K-E-I, strengths, S-T-R-E-N-G-H-T-H-S.com. I don't think you spelled that right. That's okay. Sorry. Just click the link below. <laughs> right? you'll, you'll make sure there's a link. Um, but that's the easiest way to contact us. Um, if you contact us, just give me you know, just a blurb of, you know, what you're looking for. If, you know, you're a business owner, you know, let me know how many people uh, are, are part of your team. Um, if you're just getting started, you're, you're, you know, just getting into PA, let me know a little bit about the reasons why, um, you know, and we'll reach out to you and we'll let you know, you know, what we can do to help. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. If anybody is still listening, which I think our viewership is actually pretty good with this stuff. Uh, make sure you contact Eric. If you're at all, just even just questioning, I mean, I don't think it, I don't think it hurts to at least just reach out to Eric and just tell him what your issues are. And he'll tell you if he could help you or not. And uh, chances are he can, because he has helped me tremendously. Eric, thank you for coming on, man. Absolutely. It's been fun. It's always fun. Hey, excited to see you here in in Dallas. July 1st, Mm -hmm. Dallas meetup. Eric is going to speak. Did I tell you you were going to speak or am I putting you on the spot right now? No, you told me. I did tell you. I did tell you. All right, Eric. Thank you so much, man. Reach out to Eric. Make sure you contact him. Um, Scale your business to the next level by speaking to this incredible man right here. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon.